The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Seven minutes after eight, welcome to the Forum at eight. And this morning we analyze some of the biggest and most important local breaking stories of 2013. You can be part of the analysis by simply giving us a call at 0891-104-208. That's 0891-104-208. Uh, or you can drop us an SMS. Uh, the SMS line is 34701. That's uh, 34701. It will uh, cost you two rent. Or you can tweet us uh, on Facebook, AM Live or on SAFM. Let's go to uh, our guests uh, now. Uh, we have uh, Professors uh, Susan Boyson, Tinye Komaluleke, and Somadoda Fikeni. And we'll start off with uh, Professor Tinye Komaluleke, who's going to leave us uh, in a short while around uh, 8.30. Uh, compliments of the new season to you, Professor, and thank you for joining us. Compliments uh, to you and uh, your team and uh, to SAFM. And let me just abuse the moment and thank you guys for the manner in which you... Um, uh, helped the nation deal with the passing of Nelson Mandela. I mean, radio was king uh, throughout uh, the morning period, uh, and I, I really think you guys did a wonderful job. Appreciate so. it. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Professor. And uh, your line seems to be crackling just uh, a little bit, uh, but uh, nevertheless, we'll persevere. Hopefully, it will improve. Uh, some of the big stories, besides the passing of the founding father of a democratic South Africa, what were those for you? Well, you know, uh, easily the, the, the passing of Nelson Mandela was the biggest story in this country. In fact, uh, uh, when he was ill, uh, the, the 86 days uh, or so when uh, he was in hospital, uh, that was big news. So it, it is the, the big news. If I were to use names of people, uh, I'll say Nelson Mandela, uh, Tulima Donsela, for example, I think uh, these two names in South Africa were quite uh, big news. And, of course, uh, Jacob Zuma, if you want to add in Ganja, uh, as, as for me, some of the biggest. But there were other stories. Uh, Oscar Pistorius, uh, who will ever forget uh, Valentine's Day uh, 2013, um, you know, and, and, and of course, uh, other issues, uh, you know, where our government was involved, the Central African Republic, uh, uh, the Gupta Gate, um, uh, and, 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 other, uh, and other significant things that, that have happened this year, Mike. Uh, uh, well, let's uh, s- stick to uh, politics and uh, the stories that uh, you mentioned, the Gupta Gate, uh, the Nkanda Gate, if you like, and uh, Tuli Matonsela. I think uh, you can mention all of that in one sentence. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, Nganja is still unfolding. It, it, it seems to me that this is going to be a, a story that, that's going to go on. Of course, we, we still await the report, uh, but I have a sense that this story will survive even the report. Uh, it might just be uh, one of the, the biggest issues around the Jacob Zuma presidency, and not only now, but perhaps even long after his presidency has gone, unless we find a better way of dealing with it than, than I have seen uh, happening now. Um, Tulema Donsela is becoming, if you like, the, the national conscience, uh, the conscience of the nation. For how long uh, she will be able to hold on to that position, uh, we don't know, because um, she is herself under attack. I mean, her office, not her, her person, uh, uh, greatly under attack. Uh, so, so one one wonders how long uh, she's going to hold on to that position. But her office, in my view, has become as important, if not more important, than the office of the president uh, in this country. Um, and her office is becoming as important, if not important, than uh, than the courts of the land. Not because of the power uh, her office has. In fact, a constitutional office has very little power compared to, say, the Supreme Court or the Constitutional Court. But, but for some reason, she is dealing with uh, conscience issues, with ethics issues, and seems to be the office that is uh, as fearless as the offices can, can go in the country. So, uh, you know, th- those, th- those become very important issues uh, for a nation that is battling 
uh, to find its feet, um, especially now uh, in the post-Mandela era. It's interesting that uh, you say it's uh, conscience issues that she deals with. And one wonders, because uh, she's always available to the media, especially around all of this, is she a creation of the media or a creation of the issues that have cropped up? You know, a relationship with the media is one of, uh, of, of the, the, the difficult issues around her office. And uh, if you like, that might be the weakest link uh, in, in her, it, uh, sustaining her, uh, her position and the stature of that office. Um, in some ways, she is a media creation, if you like. But I think what this public protector has done, which is different from, say, Mushwana or uh, Bakwa uh, before, before him, is that she has recognized the importance of the media and the need to, to take charge of managing uh, media relations. I wish she had... Uh, uh, equally competent people to help her do this job. But she certainly has recognized how important it is. And therein lies the danger of her being accused of playing to the gallery or um, uh, manipulating the media and so on. We have seen this happen uh, a few times. Uh, but that's because she's very much aware of how important uh, the media is for her work and how important it is. I mean, for an office that is generally poorly funded, uh, really, um, in order to magnify and multiply and, and, and make sure that her voice is heard and not distorted, and given the contestations around the issues that she brings, uh, the, the media becomes a very important uh, platform. But it, it could be a double-edged sword for her. Let's go to Professor Susanna Boysens, Professor in the Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Vets University. Uh, good morning to you, Professor. And uh, your take on uh, breaking stories of 2013. Thank you, Ike, and the best wishes to you and your listeners Many and your uh, family there. The main stories, we cannot de- uh, deviate from the ones that Nuka has already mentioned. I would add to those and then tie it together in a big trend. I would add the tripartite alliance. The alliance as NUMSA and the Vavi Fallout has turned the alliance in something completely different from what it had been before. And because the ANC is so interlinked with the alliance, it also means that the ANC through that and through other processes has become something quite different. The year for me to summarize interpreter events, it gives us an ANC that is not quite with party of the movement that it was before. Not because it is integrating, it in fact is holding electoral, potential electoral support quite strongly, although with some decay. But the issues of Nelson Mandela's passing, the issues of presidential scandals, alleged scandals, Nkandla Gate, the Guptas and Vajaklouf, and the Seriti Commission that has just about collapsed, coming together with a tripartite alliance, and now in the dying moments of this year, it hardly reported in the media yet, but it could become the trend that... that direct our uh, next year, and that is bagging dissent in the NEC. Almost daily now, one receives reports from various sources that there is dissent in the NEC, that the NEC of the ANC is divided, that there are questions, given the issues around the president, that the NEC wants to have addressed. And that they are the most, or many people in that body, are not content with thinking we're entering another five-year term in around April, late April next year, for government, in which we can expect very much things as they have been in the past, um, in scandals, alleged scandals, uh, leadership that is not really giving leadership, but trading water and 
and trying to do damage control. That um, overshadows the formation of new little political parties, which is also an important expression of dissent. But new parties in South African politics, they always create a lot of excitement. Is this a little seed of future change in South Africa? 2013 has brought us a lesson once again, reinforced it massively, that change in South Africa is unlikely to come from other political parties, small parties, but it is about controlling the ANC. And the question at the end of this year, of taking stock of all the events, is whether the ANC is arriving at a point where it can take control and say this, that the future is not really what we have seen in the past five years. These are big existential questions because there are so many policy issues. A non-event of the year has really been the lack of progress on employment creation in South Africa. And the, a bigger, more concerted focus on policy and government instead of containing intra-ANC fallout that is, I think, the lesson that you see is deriving from the year 2013. Now, Professor Boyson, what has changed the party in your view? What are the dynamics at play that, uh, given that this is a governing party? The, uh, it was uh, said, uh, reported by uh, Mr. Guerra Mantashe that, uh, you know, it is a broad change that has attracted different characters. And uh, hence, uh, you know, even uh, some opportunistic people will come in and that uh, you will find uh, they change the character of this party. Do you think that is uh, the the view that you have? Yes, it is a huge, um, hugely characterized by being this broad church. And that, I think, is this realization that of who, the important question, who is in control of this broad church? Is there strong leadership of the broad church? And the passing of Madiba has really reinforced this as well. Are the values that we see, some opportunistic new or some opportunistic old members of the movement uh, that are espousing, are those truly the, mes- the values that we like to associate with the founding of our democracy, the values that Madiba came to embody or represent so well. So Madiba brought an unexpected period of introspection in the ANC where there are serious debates going on as to what is the ANC. If the ANC wants to be in power in another 20 years, is this not the moment where the broad church needs to be better directed? And this is the current sense that I'm getting out of the ANC as this very important governing party, we cannot talk South African politics without seriously mm. taking stock of what is happening in the party, as you've mentioned, and trying to get the party there that people can confidently say this is regenerating itself, this is building new enthusiasm, new sympathy. This is a party that is alive today and is not deriving its major gravitas out of the history of liberation, even if, and this is very important, that liberation, racial liberation in South Africa, when people go to polls, they are not going to decide in the first place there is a huge amount of corruption here. It will play an effect. But for the bulk of South Africans, it is still about that racial liberation, restoration of human rights and of dignity that the current ANC government helped bring to South Africa, together, of course, with about 20 years of pretty consistent, pretty often insufficient, but systematic delivery and transformation. And it is all of these factors taking stock of them that still drive the ANC, but the decision that has to be taken pretty much now, there isn't much more time to turn, take that turnaround decision for the ANC to put itself in a trajectory it can say we are rebuilding, extending, and not just trading on those past credentials. That is the time that's, that we have right now.
Yeah, just before we go to Professor Fikeni, you mentioned quite a number of interesting things. Uh, you mentioned leadership, lack of employment, economic transformation, or transformation of the society at large. Now, the big question would be, is it the responsibility of the African National Congress alone? Is it not uh, the responsibility of business leaders? Is it not uh, the responsibility of church leaders? Is it not the responsibility of every citizen of South Africa to make sure that uh, we transform this country into the ideals of uh, the founding fathers? Indeed, that is so correct. And I think we have already seen um, major corporations, of course, everybody, like the, they say the ANC can do more, business can do more, civil society, church, labor, everybody in South Africa can do more. And in some ways, I think everybody is already pulling together and doing this. It, is, it wouldn't be fair to say civil society or business or labor have not been bringing their part to this need to pull South Africa forward. I think there is a broad, magnificent goodwill around South Africa and recognition all around that everybody can also do better as a major governing party and a substantial force in South African society. The ANC is giving leadership. The leadership also needs to be strengthened and put on a very clear principle-value-based foundation. Let's come to you, Professor Somadoda Fikeni, political and policy analyst. Your top uh, stories, local breaking stories for 2013, and compliments of the new season to you. Compliments of the new season to you, the fellow analysts and your listeners. They have already mentioned the major ones, so I'll try, whilst agreeing with the major obvious stories, to highlight the ones that were not highlighted and simply list them. The first one is COSATU's internal divisions, which is leading to a point of fragmentation which may threaten a breakaway. The second one is the corporate scandal around the construction companies, which has now taken on a political dimension. The third one is the issue of the media, where you do have new role players, 24-hour news, the new owners of the independent newspapers, which is also taking on a political stance. The next one is the DA internal wrangle, which we had predicted that as it grows, targeting communities like blacks at the moment, this would bring challenges within the constituency and the demands that they would make. And, of course, the sum total of this on the government side, especially the ANC, the cumulative effect of what Maluleke and Susan Boysen has on the ANC or what they have said uh, on the scandals reported around the ANC, the government, is that increasingly the ANC finds itself in an awkward position of having to defend, especially the president and government, to a point where they find less and less space to articulate their policies and their programs and their successes. And that in itself is quite a major disequilibrium, which politically is quite risky, and ultimately as ANC goes to elections for the first time in 20 years, what it used to take for granted COSATU support in its fullness is no longer assured after the policy differences over it all, youth wage subsidy, the issue of labor brokers, the economic chapter of the National Development Plan, and many other issues that they have raised. So those, to me, are some of the issues. Of course, the public protectors butting heads with government, parliament, and uh, cabinet ministers uh, raising issues which very often seem to have an indirect reference to the president, as well as the public protectors' findings on the IEC. Those are major stories. 
Let's look at the corporate uh, scandal that uh, you referred to, that of construction, and obviously there have been numerous other corporate uh, scandals. And what's interesting is that uh, they're not looked at as uh, corruption of the highest order in some instances, and they're not covered as broadly as uh, you would find when it involves uh, government or it involves officials. That's precisely the challenge that some people say the mainstream media has successfully portrayed corruption as a public sector government politician's issue. And they have a missing link that they have not covered fairly, which is the corporate sector. And therefore the accusation is that because the media, the shareholders are from the corporate sector, they are reluctant to tackle that Therefore, the notion of speaking truth to power seems to be conditional in that sense. The second one is the racial dimension. Whilst Bobby Mutaung, a black person, was paraded in the media for his alleged involvement in the corruption at Bombella, there seemed to be just covering of names and logos of the big companies with no names or CEOs being paraded and no one has been taken to task, and in the end, the Competitions Commission simply had a slap in the wrist, and no one is even showing serious and keen interest in saying how long, how many years has taxpayers' money been siphoned through some of these, uh, you know, collusions. I would like uh, to also find out uh, from you, Professor, since that uh, you've brought this up. Uh, transformation also is one of the key things that needs to be driven by the private sector. And uh, we look at this uh, also in the media sector. Do you think uh, we still need, uh, given uh, the explanation that you gave, that mainstream media hasn't been covering them equally, do you think we still need a lot of transformation? Is it happening fast enough? Not at all. Remember, the media tend to be extremely sensitive. Um, it can throw punches, but it doesn't seem to have the chin to take punches. Uh, since the time of the Truth and Reconciliation, the media refused to testify what role media had played during the apartheid era. So the media continues to play that role of saying, we will scrutinize the society, but please, society don't do the same for us, or at least they are not leading the process. Of course, this is uneven because some sectors of the media are showing signs of self-introspection, but uh, some sections really, uh, it would be expected that a society that for 400 years plus had experienced racism and you do have hegemonic power structures and sometimes uneven distribution of that power, that would permeate into the media and media would reflect the balance of forces on the ground. Well, Professor, and that's what we seem to see. Professor Figeni, uh, hold your thought. Uh, I'd like us to also look at uh, the new players if uh, you think they're going to make a, a difference into the entire debate or the entire landscape of the coverage of news. Uh, some uh, two SMSs that have come through and tweets. Uh, Braika would add the EFF creation and the clockwork drama in the list uh, of the panelists. Uh, that's Mungero in Velcom. Spiwo in uh, KZN says 2013 has been a scandalous and embarrassing year for what we thought it would be. A waste of a hundredth year since the passing of the Native Land Act. Right now, 8.30, let's update uh, news headlines uh, as we say good morning again to Kirat Lala. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Many thanks to Kirat Lala and the news team. Uh, 28 minutes to 8, we are on the forum at 8. Uh, we're looking at uh, the biggest and most important local breaking stories of 2013. Professor Tini Kumaluleke, political analyst from the University of Johannesburg. Uh, Professor Susan Buesen, professor in the Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Vets University as well as Professor Somadod Afikeni, political and policy analyst, are our guests. Uh, Professor Maluleka, I know we have to let you go uh, sometime here. I don't know if you want to add anything to what uh, your core panelists have said. Yes, uh, 
Look, I, I want to say something perhaps about the COSATU uh, ANC uh, tra- tragedy that, that is uh, unfolding. Uh, you will have seen that COSATU, uh, quite apart from the problems of COSATU itself, uh, NUMSA, and, and, and I'll come to that, uh, is it, really uh, beginning to have, it looks like, less and less influence on, or at least less and less success in influencing the ANC. Um, and, and perhaps uh, that, that is as it should be, um, but, but I think that's part of the frustration uh, that, that we are seeing. And I'm not just talking about ETOs uh, or the, uh, the youth subsidy uh, or the National Development Plan, you know, the list goes on and on. And, and these are indications that uh, that relationship uh, is fracturing. And COSATU is feeling more and more uh, ineffectual in terms of its own uh, strategic goals in, 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 in being part and parcel of, of, uh, of the Tripartite Alliance. And, 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 and I think what, what has happened with NUMSA is in part uh, the upshot of that. Uh, the, the threat of NUMSA uh, to pull out, and they've already said they are not going to support the ANC. I think something really big might be brewing there politically uh, as we go forward. A, a new political formation, it may not have an impact on what happens next year in the elections. But I think uh, looking ahead to 2019, uh, that, that, that may be... Uh, the new, if, if you like, uh, the, the new uh, national uh, politics of, of South Africa will be determined uh, in large part by what happens uh, to NUMSA and what NUMSA cooks up uh, in, its, uh, in its current. Because l- let's not just think it's just NUMSA versus the rest of the unions. There is a lot of disgruntlement, I think, in the labor uh, movement uh, in terms of their, their sense of not being taken seriously, not being... Uh, effective in the relationship uh, with, with the ANC. Now, it's not just COSATU, which is at the crossroads, and I want to agree with Susan, because in my view, the ANC might itself be reaching crossroads of sorts. Because here is an ANC under threat of losing a solid uh, block called COSATU, uh, if, if NUMSA goes its way. And if COSATU becomes weaker and weaker, uh, so that it remains there, but 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 not as uh, as able to mobilise as possible. Here is an ANC that uh, is likely to proceed without a very strong youth league. Uh, we know that the youth league uh, is now uh, very weak, and the, the formation of the EFF will eat into that weakened youth league, uh, as well as the ANC itself, perhaps. So. You know, I think I think the crossroads we are talking about go much deeper uh, for the ANC itself, and I think the ANC might have to look at uh, how it proceeds if indeed COSATU becomes weakened, the youth league becomes weakened, and uh, a new political formation around NUMSA emerges. Well, Professor, thank you very much for having joined us, uh, and uh, we wish you all the best in 2014. Thank you very much. And we will come back uh, to our other panelists, Professors uh, Susan Boyson and Somodo Dafikeni. But first, let's go to uh, Cape Town. Eddie, good morning and welcome. Compliments of the new season. Uh, good morning, Ike. Good morning. Hello? Good, good can, morning can to you. Can you hear me? Yes, uh, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, look, for me, I, I just want to disagree with uh, uh, Professor Susan Boyson when she says, uh, when she answered your question where you said, can it be the ANC alone that is taken to task about the, uh, 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 all these issues that are happening in this country? And she said, um, civil society and everyone else should. Um, look, my take is this. Uh, I think um, the ANC is at the center of all the, these scandals or, or all these things that are happening in our society, whether you're talking about Marikana, you're talking about service delivery protest, whether you're talking about transformation, you are colluding and all, because I'll tell you why, I, I mean, the ANC is the, is the ruling party, and as a ruling party, what are we paying those guys either in cabinet 
um, that have been uh, seconded by the ANC to, 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 to push their policies. What are we paying them for? They are not technocrats. They are not going to go and fix a pipe in Bombela or wherever. We are paying them to set the tone of where this country should be going. So, which is my really big disappointment. And I, I wish um, Prof. Susan can come back there and, 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 and try to, 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 to feather that point. Well, my issue, uh, I, my think, issue, I think she will be able to, to do that. Uh, um, any other issues that you wanted to raise, Eddie? Um, yes, the, 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 um, I'm still on that one, Ike. I'm just saying, um, if you look at the, 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 the transformation of this country, I had an argument at some stage with the, the Public Investment Corporation, which is a government investment company. And one company where a, a, a very prominent lawyer was, elected to be the chairman, and suddenly they gave that guy a nanny. And I, I was arguing with the CEO of the PIC, it was still Brian Mulif, and I said to him, you go out there and you have got the government support, you've got the support of the society, and you've got the support of everyone, but you go out there and, and, and act as if you guys are, are, are victims. You should be flexing your muscles. So this is exactly what the ANC is doing. They playing victim everywhere, whether there's racism and all this. They playing victim, but they should be taking a stick and saying, listen, we are the custodians of the, 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 the rule of law, the, the economic changes, the everything. We are going to take a stick and, 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 and set this society straight. Eddie, in Cape Town, Mapule, you are in Limpopo. Welcome, compliments of the season. Uh, compliments, I get Mabule. I beg your pardon, Mabule. Yes. Um, well, firstly, on the life, I'm a Pirates fan, so Pirates um, achieving the, the finals uh, of the CAF uh, Champions League would have been a bigger news. But on a more serious note, I think the, the passing uh, of Rio uh, Bully, um, in my view, would have been one of those um, big, big issues. Here was um, an ordinary person who had an extraordinary character and did his work with uh, absolute uh, distinction. And then I was glad that, you know, the, the province of Kauden gave him a special um, official funeral, which I thought was very befitting of him, you know. Um, and one really needs to thank people like you, Brian. I think during that week, of his passing, he did assist in his program. You know, I I was one of the biggest fans of of uh, William Bully. He was he was really really very good, and he was very friendly with everyone. Um, and you know, one would really miss him. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mabule, for that. Uh, and let's go to Mike in uh, Cape Town. Hello, Mike. And compliments for the season to you. Same to you. Thank you. Thank thank you, Mike, and to everybody at SABC. I want you just. Uh, my, my, my low light, I think, if anything, is no, certainly wasn't a highlight, was, and I'd like maybe the panel to discuss, especially the professors, because when we had a situation recently where our president was on the stage with Premier Zilla in front of investors from uh, overseas, and they began to uh, listen to his speeches by both of them as how uh, and what uh, South Africa could do for them in uh, encouraging them to invest in Western capital in South Africa, of course, and create jobs. And uh, Premier Zilla was booed off the stage. Um, the meeting was completely, got completely out of control. Uh, President Zuma did absolutely nothing about it and didn't protect her at all. Consequently, our Premier left. And, and to my mind, um, here we have a situation where we desperately need jobs in the country, yet the President did not protect the very person who was going to spell out the benefits of investing in the Western Cape. And also, Rob Davies was on the radio just before that, uh, or a little month before that, saying how much money the government had invested in inviting people to come to South Africa, and when they do get here, uh, they simply can't speak to the investors because they're not protected. And I think, to me, that just highlights how far the ANC has just, uh, drifted from their understanding of democracy. That was the one time when both the Premier and the President should have got together a united front and really showed the investors what we as a country, as South Africans united, can do for them. That we failed dismally, and I think that was a very, very low point in our, in our country, and I think it speaks to the fact that jobs are, are getting worse and worse, and will continue to get worse until such times we change our whole attitude. Mike, in uh, Cape Town, uh, let's go back uh, to the panelists, Professor Susan Boyson. There was uh, a question which was directed at you, or which uh, elicits uh, a comment, I'm sure, from uh, yourself uh, with regards to Eddie in Cape Town. Yes, indeed. Thank you. And, yeah, I do actually, well, absolutely, 
agree with Eddie, and I think I was making a similar point to him. I was not saying that um, we should focus more on private sector, etc. I think I was actually conjuring your argument, Ike, and saying everybody is in it together. And the ANC and government so central in it. I so agree with Eddie that we... The, the difference here between public sector and private sector here, private sector should be critically scrutinized, interrogated on what they do and don't all the time. But government is our public representatives. They are the ones indeed that are paid to do these things, and we come to them with very, very high expectations, also given the background and history of struggle and the whole movement. So, yes, I absolutely believe that ANC and government should be held accountable, and we should make the most of this mechanism of, of democracy, accountability. So that is citizens actually have become very cynical about um, representation and the sincerity of representatives, even how seriously they should take electoral promises. They are so astute citizens, and they often, in research that we have done, we've seen that they... Uh, give such big credit to the media, including the SABC and the print media, saying they are the agencies that are keeping us informed. And these ordinary people in research also show the absolute incredible um, high estimation for Judy Madonsela as public protector, seeing her as a great part of the mechanism of public accountability. And in that context, it's very important in overall year's events to link that into the protest phenomenon Protest, sadly, has become almost a routine part of the representative mechanism in South Africa. Many communities believe that their particular problems can only come, appear on the radio screens of public elected people once they start protesting. And unfortunately, these protests often become very destructive, like poop protests, unbelievable poop protests that we see in Cape Town, and they're very destructive, and even with a loss of human lives, and obviously also with destruction of many public buildings in, er in residential areas, in township areas, where people do not feel ordinary citizens do not feel they can take it for granted that their interests will be represented. That's on a one level of protest. But a year, this year has also seen another form of protest, and that is broad civil society mobilization around two pieces of legislation. Both of them eventually passed, each holds, obviously. The other one that we have not mentioned yet was a huge contestation around the Protection of State Information Act. And that was eventually passed. And both these um, bills and acts eventually and state information have seen massive mobilization of a wide range of civil society organizations, which I think has also been a new step in our democracy and how democracy in South Africa is evolving. And on that little point here, also one of the callers briefly mentioned the EFF. I think we must not underestimate the role of the EFF. I do think it could be very well be the new face that we will see in new parliament after next year's elections, although probably not in huge numbers. But it has been a big phenomenon in, the, in terms of ANC politics and protest politics, internal protest politics, starting turning into party politics. NUMSA could very well, part in due course, be part of a broader realignment like that. Perhaps that um, force NUMSA and where the ESF say becomes part of it or not could be the early steps. And we see this here in a dying weeks of, of 2013, be part of a broader realignment that the ANC in due course could actually emerge and be recognized as a more standard middle of the road, relatively liberal, conservative in some ways, not radical, revolutionary, even if much of the rhetoric wants to promote that, but more middle of the road kind of party. I think it's already established as that, not recognized as that by itself. And then NUMSA, maybe ESF, and a few other left parties could, in due course, perhaps be part of a new left opposition, which actually, I believe, has greater growth potential than the smaller current opposition parties. 
Professor Figeni, if you can uh, elaborate a little bit on what Susana said, are we going to see new national politics uh, in the few, uh, in the future? We have uh, election year coming up. Uh, we have uh, some parties uh, who have signed an agreement to cooperate. We have the establishment of uh, other new parties as well, and uh, we have this uh, uh, squabble between Numsa and uh, Kosatu. And is that threatening the tripartite alliance? Well, I do think that uh, every year, whenever we've been coming closer to elections, you have seen the establishment of many small parties, and that in itself has not threatened the political hegemony of the ANC. But this time around, eyes cast clearly on the EFF as to whether it will be able to take advantage of the fact that the ANC Youth League is for all practical purpose at this stage uh, non-existent in the manner that it used to be or somewhat dominant. And also they are raising economic issues which are at the core of the historical, structural and systemic issues even though they raise them in a crude fashion and the spokesperson for those positions are quite questionable and controversial. The second one, I do think that if COSATU is not assisted in resolving its challenges, and you do have a split of COSATU around NOMSA, that might actually be the beginning of a very new chapter in terms of government-labor-union relationship which ultimately may lead to the formation of a political party to the left of the government. We have always said that the parties formed, even opposition parties coming together, uh, forming themselves into coalition. That has not worked several times, and even worse this time around, when you have smaller parties very distinct and sometimes having very different ideological outlook from COPE to uh, EFF, I mean from COPE to the Freedom Front Plus. Uh, So that has not worked in the past and most of these parties are either very small or are on a decline. And these positions of coalition are being contested by even some of their own constituencies. So that one is not going to have an impact. We have always said that In the long run, a party that will shake the ANC and also challenge it effectively will be a breakaway from the ANC formations with struggle credentials, and that will be on the left of the ANC if there is no dramatic transformation on the socio-economic front. The Democratic uh, Alliance, uh, Professor Boyson, uh, do you think that uh, they're making those inroads uh, into uh, the electorate, especially uh, the black electorate, uh, because that seems to have been a strategy that was borne out uh, through the the previous years? I think that's a very interesting point, and through recent research that I've been involved in, we see that there are small points of migration away from the ANC into the DA, and for the DA really to grow in terms of its own um, expectations, that is that it really has to break into the ANC body of support. It is not very successful in doing that. We see people are really very cynical, politicians in general, and they do not believe the DA is really convincing that they will bring the leadership that will sufficiently counter what they see in the ANC. It's really, and the poor DA really has to struggle against a South African political world in which internal ANC politics and citizens engaging with the ANC, protesting against them, but then still being prepared to go and vote for the ANC, saying, still believing that of all the political parties, they have the best chance, those and all, to be best represented by the ANC. And that is almost an impossible task for a party like the DA to fight against. We also see among South African citizens, very interestingly, that they still, you know, we have not quite moved away from that trauma of the past. People look up in surprise and say sometimes, but it's been 20 years. But 20 years is a small 
uh, period in time, given those gross human rights um, neglects that we have seen in the past. And South Africans really still need a box in which to put those bad memories and store it there and get on with their lives. And when it comes to party politics and elections, they see the DA as a repository in which they can put those bad memories and they also, strangely but true, believe that there is a chance that the DA could come back with some apartheid or racial advantaging of whites in South Africa to bring in those little elements of the past. So the South Africans have not moved on from that huge period of racial um, discrimination of the past. And the DA, it remains, it remains the party associated with that, even if it really is trying to work. And some people in this research even say, I mean, the DA is actually trying too hard to move away, and it's not just not credible in that process. So people sometimes think, oh, we could perhaps vote for the DA come next election just to get the ANC more accountable. If the ANC would become more accountable and proactively, almost radically accountable to the people, no, or few, if any, probably no current political parties will be able to match the ANC in terms of support. So the DA is just not making those kinds of inroads. And Hang is a, it is almost water under the bridge, little piece of history now. Until we, unless we see some magical resurrection come election time, it was a party whose time wasn't right and the leadership wasn't sufficient really to capture the imagination of South African population. Well, thanks uh, to you, Professor Boesen. Let's go to Dr. Domeni. Thank you for holding on, uh, Dr. Domeni, in KwaZulu Natal. You want to speak on the role of education? Yes, good morning, Mike, and uh, your listeners. Th- thank you very much uh, for those analyses over there. But I just wanted to take into account one point, that your, your people that are analyzing there are well-educated people in the first place. Say for the fact that I'm working in the sector of education. I just want to highlight one thing. People will only be able to exercise their freedom of association and freedom of expression if people are provided with proper and quality education in this country. You'll always have people criticizing, criticizing. The ANC is criticized left and right every day, but when it comes to time for election, people will see no other party but to vote the ANC, even if they are not going to assist the ANC to deliver as it is supposed to be true. Because people do not have the, the right kind of education to play a role in the society to uplift their lifestyles. For as long as education is so chaotic as it is today, Dr. Figeni is, is working in education. Uh, has got experience in education. He can stay wherever he is at the moment. Even the lady professor that is there is coming from education. I think what you need to do is to make sure that we provide the country with the necessary education. Because in Mangawong, what the ANC did, they resolved that they were going to move away from a welfare state and go to a developmental state. From that time onwards, no implementation has been done, and it can't be done by the NEC of, A- of ANC. It can, be, it can be done by the institutions of education, and it can be done through education. For as long as I think, I, I want to tell you, for, for as long as education is the way it is in this country, where there is a lot of nepotism, where you get underqualified people occupying senior position in educational position. You, you, you forget about progress in this country. Our children are being referred by Dr. Blayton's demand to FETs. I see in this province there are quite a lot of FET colleges that are dysfunctional. They are not working. The curriculum that the children are studying over there is not relevant to the economy of the country. For as long as people are being uh, misled and misguided, we are not going to get any prosperity in this country. Dr. Zamini, thank you very much uh, for your call. Some of the SMSs and tweets that have come through. All the highlights of uh, 2013 are depressing, plus uh, so often caused by politicians. I hope 2014 will be better. That's from Claire in George. AM in 
In Leroro says uh, three people made 2013 a memorable one. Advocate Madonsela, President Obama and Joyce Banda's speeches during Mandela's memorial and funeral. I love you guys. And uh, the falling of the rent uh, to its lowest uh, in four years uh, should make uh, the headlines. That's uh, David Mtunzi in Mabatu. And uh, Adida in Bushback Ridge uh, writes... Braag, let our people realize that any war has different battles to be fought for you to win some and lose some. As members of the alliance, we will win some and lose some. We don't need to be all or nothing opportunists like Numsa. That's uh, Adida in uh, Bushback Ridge. We've got uh, just uh, a minute uh, left, and I'm going to ask uh, my panelists uh, just to round off uh, what uh, we can expect uh, in the new year in terms of news. Professor Boyson? I think, firstly, uh, the two major things are going to be just uh, three. Um, one up to the election, ANC, January 8th statement, opening of parliament and election. And then, seriously, what kind of government are we going to see post-election? There is still a window in which, currently, in which ANC can make very serious decisions that will impact its own future. And that the decisions it takes in the next month or so will really determine... A, not so much the election, because people will be voting ANC largely, despite this, uh, the government things and the serious corruption things. But they, when they are looking at, we are looking at post-election government. That is going to be a make-or-break period in which we cannot afford still to be focusing on protecting high-level politicians against corruption scandals or vacillating and water-treading on policy when we, all the country's energy and government and ANC's energy should be going into better improved governance and developmental governance. Let's go to Professor Fikeni. Professor Boyson, Professor Fikeni? Well, I do think that uh, the challenges around ANC and government regarding the alleged scandals will grow bigger next year. And the next one, the elections, and the question of who become the deputy president and what is the outlook of that cabinet. And you'll also have the issue of uh, how opposition performs, as well as the protests, particularly in the Western Cape. Uh, there will still be a dominant factor. The public protector and government will still be butting heads going forward, but most critically, it's the COSATU, how it manages the threat by NOMSA to leave may impact on the alliance itself. Well, let me thank uh, both of you for being our guests today, Professor Susan Boyson, Professor in the Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Vets University, and Professor Somadoda Fikeni, Political and Policy Analyst. Uh, Professor Tinyukumaluleke Elia joined us as well. He's Political Analyst from the University of Johannesburg. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, taking part in today's After Eight debate. My name is Ike Patel. On behalf of the team, thank you very much. Enjoy your day further. The news is next.